how do we respond to the situation of injustice and, and righteousness and reconciliation. So it comes from Matthew chapter 11, and let me give you a little background of chapter 11 and, and where we're at with this. We've had all kinds of great teaching. We've had lots of great miracles. And now we come to chapter 11, and it takes a little bit of a turn. It's, it's, a little, it's, it's an honest moment where Jesus is interacting with his disciples and even the disciples of John, and he's being very honest of the expectations that are put upon him. It starts this way, that John is in prison, and he has been hearing what Jesus has been doing. And it says this in verse 2, When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent a message by his disciples and asked him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? I mean, think about that. This is John the Baptist. This is Jesus' cousin. This is the one who is to prepare the way for Jesus. This is the one who baptized him. This is the one who said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one that John told some of his disciples, Stop following me. Follow him. And then he heard what Jesus was doing and said, this doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound the, uh, or look the way that I had envisioned it. For whatever reason, it seems different. And he sends his disciples saying, are you the one or should there be someone else that we're looking for? Did I totally misread this? Was I totally off? Was I just excited because you're my cousin and you're doing good things? Maybe are you like a, just a prophet and we're still waiting for someone else? Is there still work for me to do? He had some doubts on who Jesus was. Maybe he looked at what Jesus was doing and he says, I wouldn't have done it that way. I, you know, I would, have, I would have totally done it a different way. So maybe you are not the one. And this chapter opens up with this this, this doubt, these rejections. Well, the chapter continues. Jesus talks about the expectations of the, the nation, of the people. And he says, I have not met their expectations either. He says that the, the children would say, we played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We sang a lament, but you did not mourn. Saying that we expected you to laugh and you didn't laugh. We expect you to cry, you didn't cry. You're not meeting our expectations, Jesus. John came eating and drinking and people said he had a demon. I came eating and drinking and people say I was a drunkard and a glutton. Like, we can't win. And some of us, we have doubts on who Jesus is. Some of us, we have these expectations on who he is. These are the first two things that we see in this chapter, chapter 11. But then there's a third rejection. Jesus talks about these cities, these cities where he did these amazing miracles in Chorazon, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. These cities where he went and he, he, he healed someone. And then as people saw that person healed, they said, well, can you heal others? And they brought the whole city. They brought the whole city, everybody with a stuffy nose to those who were paralyzed, those who had demons, whatever it was, those who were blind. They brought him. Jesus healed them. And instead of being this great outpost, instead of being a city full of faith, instead of being a city that championed Jesus and put billboards up, they hardened their hearts against him. There was no faith. Nothing was growing. And this is, a chap this is the context of chapter 11. This is what happens 
where uh, Jesus has these doubts, he has these unmet expectations, he has this hardness of heart. And how does he respond? How does he respond to those who had these doubts, these questions, who were apathetic? Well, I ask that because maybe you have some questions as well. If you were John and you could ask one question, what would you ask? Jesus, what are you doing? What's going on? We've, we, you've been reigning for 2,000 years, and we're still struggling with some of these, these fundamentals of human rights. What is your plan? Why are you moving so slow? What's your question? And then, how will Jesus respond? See, what I want us to see today is that when we as people, when we express disappointments, when we express doubts, we struggle with this dwindling faith. We got to see that Jesus not only welcomes us with open arms, but he shows us the kingdom of heaven is made for people like us. That we can bring these struggles, we can bring these doubts or these burdens, whatever it is, we can bring these to the Lord and know that we won't be rejected, that we won't be pushed away, that the doors won't be shut on us, but instead, were welcomed into the kingdom. In many ways, the kingdom of heaven makes most sense when it's full of doubting and troubled and questioning children of God. So this morning, I want you to bring your questions. I want you to bring your doubts. I want you to bring your unmet expectations, and I want you to bring those to the Lord. Let's see how he responds. So in chapter 11, verse 28, we see his response. The first thing I want us to see is that everybody is invited to come rest with Jesus. Everybody is invited to come find rest in him. Jesus is the one who can save you. He can save the world from your, from your burdens, from those, the things that tire you, the things that crush you. And it starts this way. It says, come to me, all you who are weary, and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Three small but strong words. He doesn't say, go away. Get out of here with your doubts and your questions. Get out of here with your unmet expectations. He doesn't say, well, just go figure things out on your own, like it's common core math that you don't know how to help your child with. He doesn't say those things. And nor does he say, uh, just, just go search your heart. Follow your heart and you'll find the answer. Instead, he says to those who are doubting, come to me. You're invited into a relationship. Who's invited? All. All of you who are weary and burdened. Everyone who's feeling tired, who's feeling the strain Anybody who's struggling this week, you can come to him. He says those who are weary, those who have been working, those who have been thinking, those who are producing, those who have been struggling this week, you're tired, come to me. Those who are burdened, it's those people who have been carrying things, who've been waiting, weighed down by responsibility, troubled by the events of life. You're tired, you're burdened. You are invited to come to him. 
Some of you have been asking questions and not getting answers. You've been struggling. You've been looking to find peace, but you're finding anger and pain and brokenness and hurt. And you're sad and you're frustrated and you don't know where to turn next. He says, come to me. Bring all of your baggage. Bring all of your responsibility. Bring all of your expectations, all your doubts, whatever it is, come to me. And I will give you rest. I will give you rest. He's saying, put down the burden. Put down those things that you're carrying. I'm going to take those off of your back. We're going to put those down because I'm going to give you rest. And and what does he mean by rest? Does he mean that I'm going to give you a good night's sleep? And that would be nice, but that's not what he means. It's not saying I'm going to give you sleep or I'm going to let you be lazy. What he means is I'm going to give you rest is your mission is accomplished. Your job is done. Think of, think of God. He doesn't slumber or sleep, yet he rests. We find it through Scripture, but uh, right there in Genesis 2, right after the creation of the world, on the seventh day, he finished what he was doing. On the seventh day, he rested from his work. The job was done. Resting begins. Rest, it's connected to this accomplishment that something is done, it's finished, now you can rest. Many of you might have spent yesterday mowing your lawn and trimming trees and sweeping and cleaning and dusting. And then you sit back and you get a cold cup of lemonade and you sit and you rest because the job is done. That's what he's saying. Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, put down your load and find rest because your job is done. Some of us desperately need rest. Some of us desperately need to put down these things that have been tying us up in knots. Think of our world. Does our world need this? Think of what they've been struggling with. Think of what our world has been struggling with over these last several months, trying, carrying the burden of trying to find a cure for COVID-19. We're not there. We'll continue to carry that. We're trying, now we're carrying this burden of finding reconciliation in this world, at least in our nation. And then, and that's just in a couple weeks. And then you throw in all the other stuff that we worry about, all the other burdens of the, the polluted world or family dysfunction, family hardship and dissatisfaction, loneliness, apathy. And the list goes on. It's a burden that our world is carrying. What our burden need, what our world needs is to come to Jesus and put these things down because he's standing there with arms wide open saying, finish the task, put it down. Come to me. And many people do. They find rest in him, but others say, no, no, I got it. I know what I'm doing. I got this burden all on my own. It's not that heavy. It's good. And they will continue to struggle. But Jesus is stopping us here and saying, I want to give you rest. I want you to stop toiling and find rest in me. Lay down the burden. Jesus is the one who will save us. And he saves us, most importantly, through salvation. He's the, most importantly, he's saying, put down all of your struggling, trying to find your way to God, and come to me. The mission is accomplished. It ends with me. I will bring you to the Father. There's certainly rest for eternity. What we look for in heaven, our salvation. 
But that rest is also right here, right now in this world. That we can find rest for our souls, both eternal through Jesus and right here, right now through Jesus, our Savior. So we rest when we come to him. But rest specifically is found when we are connected to Jesus. We rest specifically when we're connected to him. The word that we're going to hear here in just a minute is the word yoked. When we're yoked together with him, when we're connected with him is when we find our true rest. He is the one that not only saves us, but he's the Lord. He's the one that we submit to. He's the one that we come underneath, that we're going to learn from him. It says this in verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There it is once again. We rest when we are connected, when we are yoked together with him. This sounds counterintuitive because if you know anything about a yoke, you know that it's a tool of work. It's a farm tool. We're, we're long removed from an agrarian economy, but we know what a yoke is. We see it. It's a tool that is connected to a beast of burden to do the work that I as a human being don't want to do or I'm not able to do, but they can do it much better. It's a, it's a work tool. And some of us look at that and we read that and we say, that's not what I had in mind of rest. That's not what I need. I'm, I'm burdened. I'm tired. I'm stressed out. I'm overworked. What I need you to say is come to me and enjoy my timeshare. And come to me and enjoy my cabin or my beach cottage. That's what we want to hear. But instead, he says, come to me and take my yoke upon you. But what comes next is most important. And I don't know about you, but the way I always heard this, or certainly the way I envisioned it, was this. Like Jesus was saying, come to me, put your yoke upon you, and work for me. What I picture is that I would put down my own burden, I would come to Jesus, and I would put the yoke on it, and I would pick up a new burden, and then I would start getting to work. And we have this mentality that now I'm a Christian, now I'm going to do God's work, and now I'm going to plow that field, and I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to show him how, how important I am, how worthy I am that he died for me. I'm going to show him how good I am, what I can do for the Lord. I'm going to accomplish lots. And if I fall down or if I stumble, the Lord will there be there to prod me or maybe crack the whip or whatever. But I, in my mind, vision this much of a work mentality. Come to me, put your yoke on me, and work for me. The Lord didn't say that, does he? That's not the image that we need to carry on. I think so many Christians have that. We have that mentality. It says, put your yoke on, take up my yoke, and learn from me. Learn from me. Like, to me, that's like mind-blowing. That's like game-changer. We are to come to him, we put the yoke to learn from him, to find rest, to learn how to live, how to live, how to reflect the kingdom, how to reflect the kingdom values that he wants us to know and to learn. So how do you see it? Here's how I want you to look at it. I want you to just you close your eyes or whatever, but 
picture coming to Jesus. And you come and you put that yoke on and you look over and right next to you, you see Jesus there. And, and what's he look like? Is it, is it Jesus, you know, in the sandals and the robe? Or instead of a yoke, do you see a cross? You see him suffering at the cross? Or maybe you see him in, in the white robe, you know, his glorified state. No matter if you get dirt on it, it still stays white. Like, it doesn't matter what picture you have of Jesus, but Jesus is sitting there next to you. But what, is, what you see next is most important. Do you see yourself struggling and working hard and plowing that field? Or do you see yourself sitting there learning from him, talking to him, having a conversation? No face masks, no six-feet barrier, but sitting right there, and talking, hearing him say, what are you worried about today? What are you thinking about? What are you caring about? What's stressing you out today? Or him saying, let me teach you some things. Let me teach you how to live. How to, let me teach you how to live with compassion and empathy. Let me teach you how to treat your enemy or your neighbor or the stranger among you. Let me teach you how to handle injustice let me teach you how to have a voice and speak for me. Let me teach you how to be a light in the darkness. Let me teach you who your enemy is. It's not flesh and blood. It's not the other humans around you. Your enemy is Satan and, and the demons and the darkness. Let me teach you how to fight back the true enemy and how to love your neighbor. Let me teach you how to wear the armor of God. Let me teach you what is your responsibility and what is mine. Because he is the one that does the heavy lifting. He is the one that moves mountains. He's the one that changes hearts. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. And he says this, because I am gentle and humble in heart. That's not what the farmer's going to say. That's not what the employer says. He's saying, learn quickly because I'm on a deadline. I got to move. I got to get this field plowed. We got work to do. Get busy. But instead, he says, but I'm gentle and humble. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to nurture you. I know what you need. This is what we get to learn. We get to learn how to be gentle and humble. I'm telling you, I think the world needs this. I think we have enough who are aggressive and proud or rude and violent. What we need is gentleness and humility. That starts with you. It starts with our church. When we sit, when we're connected, when we submit to the Lord and learn from him and take his character upon us, when we study this word, when we study his truths, when we let the fruit of the Spirit grow in our lives by just being that, by, by being that close to Him, the fruit of the Spirit grows and shows us and, and, and lets fruit grow, teaching us how to be gentle and kind and patient and humble. This is what we get to learn from our Savior. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Some of you still say, yeah, but I want to do something. I want to do something. I want to work. Well, that comes next. 
It says, after we learn from Jesus, we serve him with gladness and joy. We serve him out of this relationship that we've spent time developing. And as our hearts have been changed and conformed to be like him, now we go out and serve him with joy and gladness. But now we know whose responsibility it is to carry the burden. He's carrying the burden. I'm just going to go out and be a light. I'm going to reflect him. I'm going to live with joy, and I'm going to let that spread throughout this community. I'm going to go give hope because that's what our nation needs. That's what our world needs. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Some people have come to Jesus. They've come, but they don't feel that light and easy burden. They're saying, I still feel this burden, and it's heavier. Maybe it's heavier than ever. And I would submit that they have come to Jesus as a Savior, but they've not submitted to him as Lord. They've not taken the time to learn. They've just come to Jesus and said, now I'll work for you. And, and, and just, just stay over there. I'm going to work and I'm going to do whatever I can do to, to make your name great. But we still feel the weight and responsibility. We still carry that burden. The, the yoke is, is heavy and burdensome and uncomfortable. But he says, once you come to me and you submit to me and you learn and you grow and your heart is conformed and the fruit of the Spirit grows the burden is easy. It is light. It is something to enjoy, to be glad about. Friends, we have had a burden around us. What does the church, what does the church have to say to this? There's lots of things that we, we can say, but I would say before anything, before anything, we have to come and sit with Jesus. We take his yoke upon us. Let us be changed from the inside so we can go forth on the outside and bring hope and bring light and bring change and bring his values to this world. Tim Keller sums it up with this. He says this. He says, Jesus essentially says to us, I call you only to do those things that you are created to do. And you will find, therefore, that my yoke is easy. I put on you the burden of following me, and I've already paid the price, so that when you fail, you will be forgiven. I've taken off the burdens that other people have. I've removed the burdens of earning your own salvation through your striving and your effort. I remove the burden of guilt and shame for past failures. I've taken off the burden of having to prove yourself worthy of love. I am therefore the only Lord and Master who, if you find me, will satisfy you. And if you fail me, will forgive you. Will forgive you. That is a Lord and a Savior that I want to follow. I think that's a Lord and a Savior that we need who will come and first take off that burden of trying to find salvation, trying to live in a way that will get us into heaven. And he's taken that away. And then all those other things just that we pile up and that the other people put on us, the other expectations, those other burdens, he's cleared those away too. He said, all you need to do is learn from me and let me change your heart and then go to a world and reflect what I have done. Share what I have done. 
Let them find the same joy and gladness. So many of you feel like you're tied up in knots. Some of you feel just the weight upon you this week. Maybe you felt it for the past several months. And what do you do with it? I would encourage you to bring these doubts or whatever it is, bring these burdens and bring them to the Lord. Come to him and put them down. Learn from him. Let him change your heart and change your life and change the way you think and and change your conscience and change your will. Let him work all those things out so then you go forth. Reflecting Christ. We won't be perfect. We still have other things to learn, even from each other. But first, can we come to the Lord and learn from him? So I'll end with this, that if you feel like you're carrying a burden, and if you've never come to Jesus before, I would encourage you to do so now. Come to the Lord and put down your burden and find him and find salvation. and Find a new mission for you. For if you've already come to Christ, if you've been living, but you just feel like you're still burdened, and you're still carrying this weight, whether it's because Jesus is moving too slow or you have a different mission, I would encourage you to come and submit to him. Put, tie yourself to him. Connect to him. Abide with him. And learn from him. Listen to him. Let scripture speak into your life and let this change our hearts and be, let the burdens be gone. For his yoke is easy. His burden is light. I, uh, the picture that I, that I have in my mind that I'll close with is just the times that uh, I, I picture a parent carrying a, a heavy, I don't know, bag, whether it's groceries or I've been doing a lot of yard work, so mulch, you know, whatever. And just the child that's walking by and says, I want to help, and, and uh, the bag is so heavy, but they just have one little hand up there, and they're just carrying just not even a half a percentage, but they feel like they're helping And sometimes they put their hand down, they look at other things, and then they come back. But in the end, they said, I help carry that. I think that's a little bit of the picture that he has for us, that it's his burden. He's going to change this world. But let us be men and women, children and youth, young adults that are there with him. We've learned from him. Let, Let us walk with him. And let's see what he can do to change this world, to bring hope, a hope that this world desperately needs. Amen.